0: Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Cause you're about to go on a
1: monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks, this is Voss here from the show.com The Chris Voss Show.com. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. My loved ones, the dearest audience that we have on The Chris Voss Show. After 13 years, you keep coming back for more, and we keep trying to make better shows and better messages. Uh, I'm starting a new experiment. You'll probably see this uh, broadcast on the show about April 3rd or April 4th, but I'm doing uh, sometimes a post-after show where I'm doing my thoughts on the guests, the books, and, and some of the conversations maybe that we had in the green room or at least a summary of them, and uh, sharing those uh, sometimes after the show. So we'll try that and see how it works. So when you see that on a, after April 4th, um, uh, therein it might be. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. We're testing it out. Uh, uh, Tr- Trevor Noah from uh, The Daily Show kind of gave me the idea. So uh, check those out, and hopefully you like them. And if you don't, well, just write me and tell me you don't. <laughs> Eh. Anyway, as always, we have an amazing guest on the show whose mind is more, far more brilliant than mine, and that's why we do have guests on the Chris Voss Show, because we've all known how what an idiot I am. Uh, we have an amazing, uh, prolific author who's written a lot of books. Alan Lightman will be on the show with us. Uh, he's the author of the newest book, March 14, 2023, that comes out. Uh, the Transcendent Brain, Spirituality in the Age of science. We're going to be talking about science and spirituality. Not something that people mix together a lot in their drinks, uh, but we're going to put a martini a glass and serve it to you today. Uh, he is an amazing, prolific author who's written many books. He's an American writer, physicist, and social entrepreneur. Born in 1948, he was educated at Princeton and at the California Institute of Technology, where he received a PhD in theoretical physics. He's received five honorary doctoral degrees. Lightman has served in the faculties of Harvard and Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Some of you know that as MIT, we like to call it around here. He was the first person at MIT to receive dual faculty assignments in science and the humanities, and he's currently a professor of practices of the humanities at MIT. Welcome to the show, Alan. How are you? Nice to be with you, Chris. Pleasure to be with you as well my friend uh give us a dot coms where we want people to find you on the interwebages in the sky that
0: if you google me i've got a, a wikipedia site and i've also got a site at mit there I'm you not, go not very much into uh some of the uh the flickers the twitters and and instagrams and uh so uh anyway
1: well, you know, there's there's still time. You know, there's still you know you can put up your bikini photos there on the Instagram or whatever you want to do. Right. You know, there's always that's that. Oh, my that's what I that's where I put my bikini photos. Anyway, I'm just kidding, folks. Um, so it's it's great to have you on the show. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, congratulations on the new book. How many books do you have? Because we want to get a plug in for those too as well. Well,
0: um, it's around fifteen or twenty. Fifteen or twenty? It's, yeah, you've it's, got
1: so many, you've lost count.
0: Some somewhere in, in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the book of mine that's that's the most well known is a, is a very small book, um, which I think is a secret to a success called Einstein's Dreams.
1: Oh. And, and uh, that book's available wherever fine books are sold. Oh, yes.
0: Yeah, that book's available. There you go.
1: So uh, what motivated you want to write this latest book that you've got uh, that just barely came out and uh, talking about spirituality and transcendent and science and all that good stuff?
0: Well, I've been interested in the intersection of science and spirituality for many years, and I have a, a non-theist version of spirituality and um i call myself a a spiritual materialist Hmm. so i'm a materialist and that i believe that the world is made out of atoms and molecules and nothing more but i also uh like like all of us have spiritual experiences like feeling connected to something larger than myself Hmm. or the appreciation of beauty or awe Mm -hmm. And so the new book uh, is an attempt to show that that, that, co- that version of spirituality is totally uh, consistent with science. And not only consistent, but can be that those elements of spirituality can be given a, a scientific explana- uh, explanation in terms of uh, Darwinian evolution.
1: Ah. So the transcendent brain, is this is this something, you know, what what made you feel this was really important? Do people not make these connections between science? Do they do they see science as yeah. you know cold hard facts and yes. kind of a little lacking in personality and love and feeling yes. and compassion and wonderment?
0: Exactly. You mm. you hit it on the head. Um people a lot of people feel that that science is not only cold uh but that that scientists are out of touch with with live life and i think there's there's another element which uh we've experienced in the last 10 years or so which is related to our the polarization of our society um Mm -hmm. and one element of that polarization is the uh skepticism about science Uh, or the institutions of science, really a skepticism about all institutions. And I think that presenting a a human-centered view of of science, where you see scientists as human beings, uh, goes a, a little bit of the way towards healing that polarization, just a little bit.
1: And I, I love how you brought this forward in your book. Um, we mentioned in the green room, we were talking before about how yesterday as an, a, as myself an atheist, also in a materialist, as, as you, as you say, I never use that word, but I'm going to probably start using it now because I, I believe in science and the universe and atoms and, and all that good stuff. Um, the, you know, and, and I had an argument with somebody on Facebook, B- big surprise there. Right. um, and it was, a, it was a good argument with a friend, but he he was was proposing this concept that spirituality and the need for man's spirituality proves that religion and God are true. And so when I looked at your book, I was like, well, this is pretty smart because you're addressing not only the science of nature and and the realities of it, but also why spirituality is important to us. And, and it doesn't have to be the... the uh, it doesn't have to be the proving of, of maybe a, a deity or entity or mm. some sort of, you know, one of the 3,000 gods that man has created over eons of time. Uh, t- tell us a little bit more.
0: Well, first of all, I don't think, I don't think that science can disprove the existence of God, mm-hmm. and I don't think that religion can prove the existence of God. Mm. I think whether you believe in God, whether you believe in the soul, whether you believe in an afterlife, all of those connected uh, things uh, is a matter of faith. You either mm-hmm. believe you don't, or you don't believe. Um, I believe. I think that there are many aspects of spirituality, as I define it, which may or may not include belief in God. And mm-hmm. uh, what I try to do in my book and what I try to do in my life <clears throat> is to. Uh, Embrace these spiritual experiences like looking up looking up at the at the sky at night and and feeling you're falling into the stars or communing with a wild animal or appreciating uh, a waterfall or, or feeling awe that, that that those experiences really do not require belief in God or many of the other beliefs of religion Um, I respect those other beliefs I just uh, think that we can uh, embrace spirituality without them and in fact uh, my version of spirituality is totally consistent with science Hmm.
1: yeah I think you hit a button you know, it, one of the problems we have when the, in the mentality of humanity is we always have a black and white sort of thing. So, well, it has to be either or, and right. I think you hit a button in the middle where you're like, there is a balance here, and maybe you, you know, one of the I, I was raised in a religious cult, uh, and I've had to deal all my life with why do people believe things that are from for some people's aspects, you know, very out there. Why do people believe the Earth is flat? Why do people believe Martians, uh, you know, are, I don't know, in, in the, in our Congress or something, you know, pick, pick your, pick your crazy and uh, fill it in here. Um, and I've often wondered why do people believe things and then hold so hardly to them? Because mm-hmm. my beliefs have always evolved and developed over time. I, I like to think like science, I keep an open mind to, you know, discovery and and that it's, you know, everything's kind of a theory, and I like to keep an open mind that the things you don't know, uh, you don't know, are probably the things you need to maybe try and see if you can seek out and find. But I think you kind of hit a middle ground, because I, the argument that I usually have as an atheist with religious people is that, well, you can't be moral, you can't have ethics, you can't have you can't have spirituality, love, kindness. You can't care about your fellow man. And I'm like, I've seen kind of what some of your religious people have done with that to uh, the horrors of the world. And, you're, and I'm not really sure the morals and the kindness and the fellow man things working out over on your side of the aisle. Um, uh, and and so, you know, you you kind of, and, and and they're like, well, you know, love, you know, you talk, when people talk about religion, they talk about spirituality, love, feelings and and uh you know being a part of something bigger and things and i think you kind of put your thumb on the middle ground of like hey spirituality is cool it's a part of us it's a scientific um uh, well tell us more about why why is spirituality a scientific foundation for well, our human yes. experience
0: well well let's let's take one element of spirituality which is uh feeling part of something larger than yourself just mm-hmm. take that one element. Um, uh, I believe that that is the byproduct of of, of another trait that had survival benefit. The, the, we the, two million years ago, when when the first uh, Homo sapiens uh, were were living in caves, uh, and, and there was, we know from archaeological uh, digs that there were something like fifteen or twenty people in a community in a cave. That you really depended upon the other people in that cave for survival you had a certain group of people the hunter gatherers who went out and got the food and you had other people who stayed in the cave and kept the fire going or took care of the children and you really were dependent on each other Um, if you got isolated or shunned or thrown out of the cave on your own uh, you would have a quick death and so there was survival benefit and being part of a community, that is being part of something larger than yourself. Um, just one other element, and then I'll be shut up, um, on the appreciation of beauty, uh, which is another trait uh, or feeling that I associate with spirituality, that both uh, Darwin and Freud have argued that the appreciation of beauty is a, is a byproduct closely related to uh, sexual reproduction that that when you want to have successful mating with another person you look for a person who's healthy who has Mm -hmm. good coloring good facial features strong all of that ensures a successful mating Mm -hmm. and it's not hard to go from those qualities to beauty in general Uh, we know that you know bright flowers attract pollinating insects and so uh it's very easy to understand that the appreciation of beauty is related to uh a trait that had survival benefit
1: and and so it's it's scientifically ingrained in our biology it's
0: ingrained into our biology yes uh these certain experiences that we have that uh, and and by by arguing that they had survival benefit and are ingrained in our DNA, uh, I don't mean at all to dismiss the majesty of these experiences. Yeah, the the wonderment and and amazing nature of these experiences. But it's you just, know, yeah, and and and
1: for the propagation of the species, as you mentioned, we look to healthy, thin. Uh, we're looking for healthy, really, and we look oh. for you know, women—they—they—they they, they have studies that show that when women, in based on their cycles of ovulation, will look for a man who has a cut jaw, who has very defined features, and then maybe that changes based on their thing. Uh, you know, we look for—we look for healthy people, people that are successful, and and part of that is to propagate the species, to yes. mix our DNA in such a way that. The, the survival of the fittest. And the universe yep. kind of works that way when it really comes down to it. And you study how the universe, you know, some species go extinct, some some survive, some don't. Uh, you know, we were recently challenged with our survival with the, the COVID virus. Um, you know, for a while, they were kind of like, hey, it's going to end up like one of those movies, like, you know, we're contagion or whatever, where, where yep. we all get wiped out. Um, and, and, uh, it, it always seems to be that that is the, the game that we're involved in the survival of the fittest, but yeah, you yeah. bring up a good point. I never really thought about that aspect of beauty because I probably never, uh, studied, uh, Darwinism and stuff like that in depth. But, um, and, and so that same sort of aspect connects to like when I go to the beach or when I look at, put the stars or I see the waves in the ocean, I feel, I feel some sort of connection. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Let me ask you this. Is that connection sometimes equated to my biological nature? Like sometimes some people have theorized that the reason we love the ocean, the reason we love water is because we're beings that probably walked out of that water at some time in our evolution and crawled up on the land. And somehow, you know, I mean, we're we're built with salt water. I mean, somehow we still have that affinity to our our mother, if you would.
0: Yeah, that, that could be. Um, I mean water of course has a, has a particular attraction, but I think that that all of these uh, elements of spirituality that we've been talking about, the feeling of being part of something larger than yourself, the feeling of awe, the appreciation of beauty, the feeling of, of connection to nature, um, that all of them are hardwired in our DNA. Let's take our connection to nature, our feeling connection to nature, which, of course, a lot of people associate with spirituality. For for most of our two million year history, we've lived out in the open. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the bricks and glass of, of our modern life are, are, are very recent phenomena. And and when you live out in the open, um, understanding nature is is a matter of life and death you know the Mm -hmm. the first thing is habitat selection where are you going to choose to live and you want to live you know by a stream for water you want to live in a place uh where you can get protection from predators you want to know something about uh the weather uh so so habitat selection is very is the the highest priority Mm -hmm. and uh an understanding Of nature is a critical ingredient of 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 selecting your habitat Mm -hmm. uh so so from that you know from two million years ago i think that it's built into in our dna to have this this kinship with the natural world and our ability to view it and
1: and, and try and process it and understand it uh, largely from the propagation of our species, you know. Like you say, you've, I've got to be able to go out and go, hey, there's a lot of snow here. This is, gonna, this is not going to survive well if I'm, if I'm out in this. Maybe I should move to a warmer climate, right. mm-hmm. et cetera, yeah. et cetera. You know, it's, it's being able to process the data. Do you think, do you think animals uh, experience spirituality?
0: When you say animals, you mean non-human animals. Non-human animals, I should say, because we're we're animals too. We're animals too. Um, (laughs) I've been called that a few times. Some of us more than others. Yeah, Uh, mainly me. (laughs) um, But I think that animals uh, experience. Of course, we don't know what it's like to be in the mind of of another animal. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, but I think that that animals probably, uh, have, uh, experiences which we would associate with spirituality. I I know that the animals, uh, like to be in groups. You know, if you can see groups of wild hyenas that are, that are hunting together, that there's, there's, there's a, a a sense of being a member of a group which is larger than the individual. So, Hmm. so, uh, you know, you might, you know, indirectly associated that with feeling part of something larger than yourself. So there might be certain behaviors of animals, that, of non-human animals, that we can associate with spirituality. Of course, if you you go down to the, the low enough in the food chain, you get to a single-celled amoeba. I, I doubt that 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 even has a consciousness, much less feelings of spirituality. So it's probably a graded phenomenon. You can say that about consciousness itself, which is, of course is the the primary mental experience that that uh that crows and dolphins probably almost certainly have some level of consciousness uh so all of these things are graded, you know, going from single celled amoebas all the way up to us, you know the interesting thing about religion is
1: the footprint of man's footprint on it, which I think gives away, in my opinion, gives away its, its intent or its, its core intent. Um, you know, a, a God made in our image as if we're like the, the most greatest being that was ever created in the universe. Give me a break. Have you seen us lately? Um, <laughs> and I think biologic by biologically, the way we're built and de- and have evolved really isn't a perfect sort of image. I mean, we're, we're kind of a mess really. I mean, the way we breed and the way we uh, drop children out. And a few. I, there was some report I read one time that we're really not the most perfect evolution of being in the universe. And we don't even know what else is there. Uh, and, and to declare that somehow that's the universal being, that's the, the main puppet master behind everything in the universe is quite, uh, damningly self-centered and, and egotistical when it really comes down to it. But, it seems that it seems that you know to me as an atheist, religion was designed to was to was to uh designed to quell or 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 give security to an insecurity of why are we here, what goes beyond um you know why is there lightning in the sky you know when we first experienced the world like you mentioned as cavemen, you know we didn't understand why you know why the sun was up sometimes and lightning storms and people died and we were just astounded by, it. Oh, you know, whatever. It's not like the first scene in, in space odyssey night, uh, 2001 or whatever. Yeah. Um, but do you think that maybe, maybe that's why people really aspire to religion? Cause they're searching for that spirituality and some sort of validation. And they find it in this, in this, uh, store that goes, Hey, God is the person you've been searching for
0: well i think there's i think what you said is true i think there's another um a- aspect of religion and i think it's uh and this is i'm saying this you know whether or not God exists uh, because we don't know the answer to that question um but I think that religion uh most religious traditions that I know of are an attempt to deal with our mortality mm mm-hmm. Um, our, our, our mortality, our, our awareness of our own individual impending deaths, is a powerful force in shaping our culture and shaping our psychology. Um, and uh, we all would like to think that, that there's something after this this mortal life, you know, with with the mortal body and all the aches and pains that we have and the limitations and growing old. Um, it, 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 we lo- we would like to think that there's something eternal of us that lives beyond that, mm. and and I believe that 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 um, belief in the soul, belief in an afterlife, belief in heaven, uh, partly comfort us uh, when faced with this this infinite dark hall of nothingness.
1: Yeah, I've had people say to me, Well, what if you know you're an atheist? What if you die and it's just a black nothing and you're gone? I'm like, Well, I won't know I'm gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. well, <laughs> I'm not gonna be floating in the ether or somewhere going, This sucks, you know. Maybe true. I will, I don't know. I, there, that could be there, you know. We're not yeah. just floating in space somewhere in some black hole going, Damn it, whatever this was. Um, no, so. We had, an, uh, we had a we had a famed uh, psychiatrist on earlier, and we were talking about the maladies of the mind uh, on a previous episode. And one thing he was discussing was it used to be with with human medicine and health, you know, we we couldn't determine things or understand, you know, like viruses and different things. But with with physical human health, we can now put things in a petri dish and we can measure them because you can look in the petri dish and go. Know, or amoeba as you mentioned earlier you can go hey there it is right there okay there's proof and one of the problems you have with psychology is you can't really put someone's mental brain in a petri dish and go oh well chemically a plus b is not right. equaling c here and so it's still kind of it's still sometimes regarded as a pseudoscience because you can't do that but it is still a science in itself but it's it's much harder to, to determine stuff because there's mm-hmm. not that exacting science did you find that Senator, same experience when you're trying to define science and spirituality and and bind the two
0: no i i think that i mean everybody knows what science is mm-hmm. you know it's it's attempt to understand how nature works and and what laws nature follows and uh and and, and spirituality uh, different people define it in a, in a different way just like people define religion in a different way or mm-hmm. define God in a different way. So I think you have to define your terms when it comes to spirituality. And, and I define my terms right at the beginning of, of my new book. I, I list the, the experiences that I associate with spirituality. Um, and even though those are experiences that you can't quantify the way you can, quantifying how many seconds it will take a ball to drop to the floor when you drop it from one meter... Hmm. Although you can't quantify it, you can give examples of the experiences you're talking about. And because all of us have had experiences like that, people will know what you're talking about.
1: Hmm. And and that's very interesting because you can't, like like I talked before, you you can't take spirituality and put it in a Petri dish. We all experience, we all kind of know what it is, but you can't like point to it and go, well, it's a single cell
0: organism that... um, you know, does the thing there. Um, And so I'll just say one more thing. The fact that you can't quantify it doesn't mean that it's any less real or any less profound or important. mm -hmm. I mean, there, you know, how do you quantify falling in love? Mm. That's true. You can't put that in a petri dish either. I tried, but it's (laughs) one of the most wonderful experiences that we human beings have. So, yeah.
1: And then so is divorce court. No, I'm just kidding. I'm doing jokes, people. We, we set them up and put them down. Um, but no, I, I really like what you put down here because being able to understand this and identify that, hey, it's okay. You can be spiritual. You can maybe believe in whatever you want and, and the feelings that you're having, but they don't necessarily mean that you got to go give somebody 10% of your income every month or whatever. But if you want to do that, I mean, that's your business. <laughs> Just stay. Just don't knock on my door on fucking Saturday morning and wake me up and try telling me about Joseph Smith. That's all I'm saying, man. It, go, go go, do whatever you want. Just keep it out of my backyard and lawn. That's all I'm saying. Those are the jokes, people. Um, I've lost the five people who listen to the show from the LDS church. Um, and one is my mom, evidently. Uh, so let's see. Um, it, this is really important, though, for me. To, to people to make this scene, like I say, I had this argument on Facebook yesterday, and and the person was making their argument that that spirituality and the need for spirituality that the humans seek that and and they seek you know stuff like love and feelings and stuff is is a validation and proof of of a um, of a being in the sky, um, and I think what you've done is really great because you've said, hey, it it doesn't mean you don't have to take it different places. You can just, you can just dwell in it. Like I got people say to me, you know, how do you have morals? How do you give it? Are you not walk around and murdering, raping, killing everybody? Cause you're an atheist. You don't have any morals. Cause you don't subscribe to religion. And I'm like, you can follow the golden rule and just be a good person and identify that being a good person to other people in your human, uh, in your human arena, uh, probably will make it so they don't kill you too. um, You know, seems like a good idea to me. I I actually sometimes think, you know, I don't know what would Jesus do. He's, I mean, most religious tomes or books are kind of good self help books that be trying to be a good human being to other human beings. There, I think you can take good things from them. Um, But that doesn't mean that I need to give you, you know, my paycheck or send my estate to you after I die, or you know. I don't know, help that guy with the arena in Texas, uh, you know, buy more cars and planes and stuff, uh, while he preaches, huh. but if you want to do that, Hey, that's your own business. Uh, what other the things, uh, did you discover in the book? Um, I think you did a lot of different investigations on how we find purpose and embrace spiritual
0: experiences. Uh, you want me to talk about how we find purpose? Sure. If you want, well, it's your book. I'll let you run with well, it. Was that your question? uh kind of talk about
1: i was kind of i was just giving you a softball general lead out there so you could smack whatever ball you want back in okay <laughs> um,
0: well is is it three strikes and you're out no six? no it's by a, no means no you can do whatever right. you want it's your show okay i guess well uh if we're talking about purpose uh i don't believe that there's any cosmic purpose ah That's my belief. I think that each person has to find purpose for themselves Mm. and meaning, meaning for themselves. Mm. So um, you you mentioned the golden rule, which which I think to me summarizes the best that it's in all religious traditions. Uh, And that's something that guides my life. I mean, when it comes down to it, the question is, how should I live my life? that's the bottom line right of of all of this discussion how should you live your life and i don't believe in any cosmic meaning or any cosmic purpose but what i do know the same way that descartes said i think there are for i am i know that i feel pleasure and pain i know that that's true Mm -hmm. and and so since i feel pleasure and pain i might as well live my life to maximize my pleasure and minimize my pain as long as i'm not hurting other people and when i use the word pleasure i don't mean just you know getting a massage and eating good chinese food i mean all everything that brings me pleasure you know Mm -hmm. friendships love uh creativity intellectual pleasure reading a good book everything that brings me pleasure so I want to try to live my life to have as much pleasure as possible and as little pain as possible while not hurting other people.
1: There you go. Of course, there's some other people that pay for that to go the other way, but that's a whole masochistic, sadomasochistic thing. Um, You know, I did find my purpose in life, and I believe this is a purpose that we can all agree on, tacos. (laughs) Tacos and pizza. I mean, who can disagree with that? If you are, then you need to do some soul-searching. I'm just kidding, folks. You can do whatever you want. Maybe you hate tacos. Um, But no, I I think it's really important what you put down in this book because, like I say, as the uh, the arguments that I always have in humanity, they're always black and white. And Mm -hmm. in in life, there's gray areas. And, Mm -hmm. you know, science flushes a lot of this out and tries to find it. And I've always loved science's aspect where it's always in theory. In fact, I've had people argue with me that, like, well, science is a theory. And, and and you're like well religion is an exacting science and like yes it is and you're like you have three thousand gods you guys have created plus and there's probably five more in the
0: last half hour um and it well, depends science, science certainly doesn't have all the answers to everything yeah I mean, there, there are a lot of really important questions that science can't answer mm-hmm. but in in terms of of the view that science is just a theory um I my view of science is that it's over the history of of the last couple of thousand years that it's been giving us better and better approximations to reality mm-hmm. and you know if we if we didn't have science we wouldn't have smartphones and computers and the internet and we wouldn't have antibiotics and a lot of other things that that are part of the, the pleasure of daily life
1: yeah in fact, uh,
0: in fact, uh, the
1: uh, those power those big powerful churches wouldn't be able to process my credit card if it wasn't for science.
0: Oh, yes, <laughs> they did there? Look, we're talking here on on uh, Zoom or some some version of Zoom, yeah. uh, whatever your platform is. Streamer. That that's right. That's made possible by by science. We wouldn't be able to have this conversation. Really i thought jesus was the one I well I'll, 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 I'll send in my can you hear me? no <laughs> the internet's
1: slowing down the audio's breaking up anyway whatever man yes there, there are some times where we wake up and we have to pray that the show's gonna work because <laughs> uh microsoft's updates throwing all the ports or something like that but now i think this is really important because you put your thumb on the middle area the, the gray area that binds everything together and goes hey you you can still be spiritual you can still be uh, a human being. Let me let me ask you this, and I'm jumping back a bit to our conversation about how you mentioned, you know, animals operate in a tribe. Like I, I love wolves, and I've I lo- I have two Siberian huskies, um, and you know, they're we kind of have our little tribe. And I've studied wolves and their tribes and stuff. Is there is there not only a connection to each other, but is that also maybe part of like a survival thing? Like well, I need to stay in the tribe. Like you mentioned earlier, you you don't go outside the cave, otherwise, you know, the woolly mammoth eats you or whatever the case may be. Um, is there a survival mechanism that we're inherently, you know, saying, "Hey, man, stick with the tribe, don't don't go out of the tribe"?
0: I, I think definitely mm-hmm. there's a survival mechanism.
1: Food, uh, uh, the the acquisition of food, the the power of yeah. of, of uh, beings working together to achieve something.
0: Yeah. There's, there's definitely a survival benefit to being part of a group. But um, there's also a, a cultural aspect of, mm. of this individual versus the group. And in, in the Western world, we, we value individualism, especially in the United States. Um, and in Asia, there's more valued being a member of a group Mm. um it's it's a difference in mentality um i was in the correspondence club uh in tokyo uh a few years ago and there were a bunch of journalists there It's, it's for journalists and everybody was exchanging their cards and there were some western journalists and some japanese journalists and the uh the cards of the western journalists all had their name in the center of the card And the name of their publication in smaller letters in the corner of the card. Hmm. And the business cards of the Japanese and Asian journalists had the name of their publication in large letters in the center of the card and their personal individual names in smaller letters in the corner. Hmm. And I thought that was a a perfect uh, representation and metaphor of this difference in the collective versus the individualism in the West versus the East. So there's, there's a a cultural dimension to this too, uh, in terms of, you know, being an individual or being part of the group. But I think that, that deep down, you know, all of us, whether in Asia or in the United States, we originated in these caves in Africa and we all had to depend upon the group for survival Mm. Mm-hmm. It, it you you bring
1: up an interesting point um you know the one of the arguments we have a lot uh, there's been a lot of arguments on facebook and with my friend groups about Elon Musk I've seen a lot of my friends I've seen a lot of worshiping in the capitalism unbridled capitalism markets uh and and worshiping uh, you know some of these people that you know make a billion dollars as gods or being above us or, you know, really hero worshiping some of these individuals. And you, you look at some of them, you go, well, Elon Musk didn't like just create SpaceX and suddenly it's putting up rockets. There's a lot of people that went into that and he may not have been as influenced as maybe you thought he was, or maybe in you know, like people will ascribe just about every idea that, or, or nuance or innovation that SpaceX or Tesla or any other company has done. Like, well, that must've been, his idea. And you you don't know that it was. I mean, there are very large corporations with lots of individual minds to it. I I think it would be hard to ascribe to like anyone, like this was their idea. Um, I had friends that worked for Steve Jobs that helped build the original iPhone. And, you know, I mean, a lot of their innovations and things were theirs. I you know, Steve was just going, yeah, that sounds good to me. Um, You know, maybe Steve sold the general idea of it, but, you know the the hard work and labor, and and it's kind of funny. Like you mentioned, we come to this thing of of well, oh, it must. You know, there's one man who's responsible for it all. Interesting kind of thing to think about. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, you you flush this out in the book. You talk about um, all these things. You ask some pretty good questions, I think, to help make people self reflect in the book of of what's going on. Uh, when people usually say transcendent, I usually think of something like meditation. Is transcendent, is transcendency and spirituality the same thing, or is, is transcendency a higher level that we get through that spirituality?
0: Well, I, I use the word transcendent to mean going outside of yourself, hmm. uh, going beyond yourself, going to something bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a transcendent experience. Mm-hmm. Um so i think that transcendence is uh a a piece of spirituality Mm -hmm. it's it's not all of spirituality when when i look at a at a sunset and i admire the colors and the textures um i'm not sure that i'm going outside of myself in that experience but if i'm lying my back uh on a clear night, looking up at the stars and feeling like I'm merging with infinity, um, then that's going out of side of myself. So I, I think that, that they're not quite interchangeable, that, that transcendence is a subset of spirituality. But anyway, that's, that's my personal view. There you go. And
1: I usually transcend after eating tacos. So there's that too, as well. Um, uh, is, yeah. let me ask you this. Because you've, you've given me a lot to think about here. Um, is, is it possible that the fact that, you know, I look at my dogs, and they're beautiful, and I love them, and and they love me back, and obviously I have feelings about, uh, you know, being in the tribe with them and, and, and being able to experience their beauty, the ocean, as you mentioned before, and the the skylight, um, is it, it, do you think that maybe our obsession with the fact that this may have an ending that is finite and this fantasy that we want to do, or I'll, I'll call it a fantasy in my opinion to that there's some sort of extension beyond this life. Is it, is it, is it the, is it because we love this experience so much, there's almost an egotism that we're, or we're allowing to run rampant that, this can't just end that it's so beautiful that we shouldn't appreciate it or or that it it can go on forever, even though it might not. And it's, it's a beautiful ego fantasy that we sell to ourselves, I guess is what I'm asking.
0: Well, I, I think the ego may or may not be involved with this desire for eternity Hmm. or for life after death, but the, the experience of of, of being alive, of, of consciousness, which is so hard to define, mm-hmm. it's so vivid and so unique and so unlike everything else, being present in the world, it's almost impossible to imagine that dissolving into nothingness. Yeah. We, we just can't imagine it. We can't imagine it.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, I...
0: Yeah. I, I, I often told
1: people, I mean, I, I, if there was some sort of afterlife or maybe I'd just be adrift as some sort of spirit in the universe or some weird or ghost or, you know, whatever, sort of pick your fantasy. Um, if there's anything I would love to retain from this life is the beauty and my dogs and my memories. Um, You know, I, I constantly tell uh, youth to make great memories and live your life and collect great stories. That's why we do the show, just collect Ooh. stories and why people live their life and what they do talk about right about um because it's a real fabric of life um it's the it's that juice it's the it's the it's the experience as opposed to the the uh, end of the journey and and hopefully in my older life i'll retain my brain or what's left of it um to sit and think about my memories, even though my body may not be up to the power and speed that needs to be. And you hope that you're sitting on a rocking chair thinking about all the wonderful things and experiences you had in your life. And yeah, it's, it's hard to let go. I think I I would say there's like a bit of egotistic sort of narcissistic thing that like, well, I'm self-important and I I should go on. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Uh, There's, uh, (laughs) I guess, what was the old? Was it Jimi Hendrix who said nobody gets out of here life or somebody?
0: Well, um, we might find out, but we won't be able to tell anybody about that's it. That's true.
1: Yeah, I haven't had too many people come back and be like, "Yeah, that that afterlife." Uh, yeah, cool. Thumbs up. There's no Amazon <laughs> reviews on that quite yet. I'm still watching. Um, yeah, let me ask you this: Some people say that the reason we feel that way, that connection to the universe, is because we're made up of the dust of the stars, as yeah. it were, maybe, to, to quote some writers. Um, or, you know, I've, I've had authors on that have written about how the space dust and the dust of Mars was probably blown here through space and seeded life here. And that's why we have this weird sort of feeling or connection to uh, Mars. Is, is there maybe some sort of implant of Mother Nature or our universe or our mole- molecular makeup Ooh. that, that causes us to have that connection?
0: Well, I certainly believe, and I think it's, there's a tremendous amount of scientific evidence that, that all of the atoms in our bodies, except for the two smallest atoms, were made in the nuclear furnaces of stars, mm-hmm. which then exploded and blew their, their uh, atoms out into space, and some of those atoms condensed into our solar system and planet Earth and, and us. Uh, so there's a lot of evidence for that. I don't see how that could have imprinted in our brains any connection to the stars. Hmm. The, the fact that we are connected to the stars, that our atoms were made in stars, is something that science has proven just in the last hundred years or so. Hmm. It's, it's something that we know intellectually, but I don't think that that has increased uh, any You know, deep rooted connection to the stars. On the other hand, uh, I do feel that being connected to the cosmos is is one of those spiritual experiences that we have. But I think it originated not from our atoms remembering that they were once part of stars, but for but because of these uh, survival, these traits that had survival benefits when we're in caves of, of being connected to something larger than ourselves. So it's not at the atomic level. Hmm.
1: I suppose it was the atomic level. I We would notice that like snakes would be like, I don't know, doing yoga or trying to find some sort of meaning in life, looking at the stars or something. They seem pretty they busy know, about
0: their own. They're not
1: That's true. Well, I'll have them on the show. We'll ask them. Uh, but you're right. We don't know. I mean, they could be, maybe they're just slithering around. And in the meantime, they're pondering the universe and their, their place in it. And they're probably thinking about their snake God that uh, is in their image that clearly overrules all others. (laughs) And he behaves like a child who has some sort of sadomasochistic properties of like, he's angry one minute and whatever, but you're like, but he's all seeing and all knowing. Can he get his childish behavior under control? I don't know. So with this uh, spirituality mixed with science, how much is this going to cost me per month? And do I have to go every Sunday?
0: Well, you don't <laughs> have to go every Sunday. Uh, Thursday is the seventh day of I, I don't think th- you have to tithe 10% of your earnings to anybody, although you could buy 1,000 copies of my book. Oh, there you go. Um, See, I knew there was a catch. Yes, right, right. Uh, but i think it's you know it's it's something that 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 everybody can do every day mm-hmm. and i think one of the the curses of modern life which is also one of the blessings is that we have the internet and we have our smartphones and and the, the pace of life has been sped up to an unhealthy degree in my opinion and mm-hmm. uh because of The speed of life has always been regulated by the speed of communication, and our communication has gotten insane. So I think that in order to at least be open to these spiritual experiences, we need more space. We need more silences. We need to slow down a little bit. Definitely.
1: Maybe turn off those cell phones so much and things. I always thought the curse of life was politicians, but I could be wrong. (laughs) uh we like politicians they're good there's some good ones it's kind of like human beings there's some good ones there's some bad ones so you know try and stick with the good ones uh but this has been very insightful uh alan i'm gonna i'll send you my check uh and uh fill out whatever form i need to, do to join it during this religion later well it's not a religion it's spirituality right right <laughs> there you go and buy lots of the books damn it I'll buy mine um, and subscribe to it. But no, I, I love how you've done this and nailed it. I, in all my uh, lack of any sort of knowledge or insight or intelligence, say, uh, uh, had never really thought about how there's a middle ground. I've kind of, I'm kind of mired in it when I really didn't think about it. Cause I've always kind of spiritual and feelings and, but mm. I still believe in science and i have never really, I've always kept them separated, but I never identified it and, and said, Hey, you can have, spirituality and science at the same time and mm-hmm. you don't have to send your check off to somebody which is what i'm big on as you can mm-hmm. tell um you know and so i i always kind of that whole thing of of selling me something that i have to pay for now but i don't get to receive later when no one can come back and do amazon reviews um is kind of one of the issues i've always had with the whole aspect mm-hmm. and you know I, george carlin does that great bit on how come god's always broke like Evidently, he's all-seeing, all-knowing, but he can't manage his money, so he always needs money. Like, what's going on with that? So, you know, that's kind of where I've always been. Uh, Anything more you want to tease out of the book before we go, Alan?
0: Uh, Well, we've covered a lot, and uh, I've enjoyed your perspectives, Chris. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I I think this book, with all my books, that I hope that it provokes people to think, Maybe mm-hmm. think about some things they haven't thought about. Mm-hmm. I know that everybody's a thinker, but maybe think about some things they haven't thought about. And, and I hope that they're entertained. You know, the, the, there, are no, there are really no rules for a writer except for one rule. You've got to keep the reader interested.
1: That's true. That's true. Um, I, I think you should write your next book. And I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just suggesting here. I think your next book should be the connecting the spirituality of tacos and spirituality. And there i'm sure there's a petri drift science uh, experiment you can do in there to connect those two because there definitely is something going on i'm there's something going on i'm just saying is not may, may might it might not be bigfootish but there's something going on between tacos and spirituality and humankind in fact if it w- if it wasn't for tacos i don't think we'd be here as a species or something i don't know maybe it's the one thing that stands between us and nuclear annihilation Maybe I don't know. We can all get along with tacos. Anyway, that's my big. That's my story. I'm sticking to it, boys. Uh, thanks, Alan, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Chris, for having me on your show. <laughs> Thank you for coming and congratulations on the next book, the new book. Uh, you want people to go check out the MIT site to get to know you better if they want to stalk you
0: and uh, I don't know, say well, you love they, can, they can. They can. They uh, can. If 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 they Google me, they'll find a Wikipedia page and also an MIT site so there you go. if anybody wants to know anything more about me or wants to send me an email that's how they do it
1: there you go and of course order up the book wherever fine books are sold stay away those alleyway bookstores you might get a you might step on a nail rusty nail and get need a tetanus shot so go go where, only where fine books are sold the transcendent brain spirituality in the age of science by alan lightman he's been on the show with us today march 14th 2023 came out and also go to goodreads.com fortress chris Foss, youtube.com fortress chris Foss. the big linkedin newsletter this will be on and our linkedin groups over there thanks for tuning in be good other. stay safe and we'll see you guys next time that should have us out